I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Hey, people out there in Astro Radio Z land. Thanks for tuning in for another one of Mark the Movie Man and myself's ventures and journeys into low budget nonsense. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about a super eight millimeter cheapie called Gourmet, the zombie chef from hell that was made in 1986. And last night, I uh, cue this up on uh, Rabbit, which is if you guys aren't aware out there what rabbit is rabbit.it or rabb.it it's a website in which you can with friends watch media you could go onto youtube you can go into any website that you have that streams media you can get together you can listen to music and just have a chat it's fun mark and i have been doing this now for what like a year and a half about for that, most of yeah. the movies yeah and um last night i uh got together with a friend and we watched this movie and i gotta tell you this was a tough one this was a real <laughs> tough one like i thought and i want to start it out this way because i i think sometimes when we do podcasts like this we all tend to have to put on the expert cap when we go into movies and this is the second time where I went into this movie because I'm going to, you know, be blatantly honest here. I had never seen gourmet zombie chef from hell ever before. This was a first time view for me. And I was always under the assumption this was a shot on video film. So that's why it got put up for uh, Mark and I to do because every month we're trying to do these shot on video movies and here again, this is the second time. I think the first time was Darkness. Yeah, Darkness was one. Yeah. I was under the assumption that was also a shot on video film. Not. Again, we have a Super 8 millimeter film that was posted digitally where they went in and put really bad digital credits on top of this thing. <laughs> but we're watching this. And thankfully, this movie's only an hour and 10 minutes long. Yes. Because holy crap, was this something else to sit and fucking watch um mark i'm sorry that again i choose a shot on video film that turns out to not be a shot on video film <laughs> i'm not an expert but i i'm just a big fan of low budget cinema so yet again i fucked up our shot on video month <laughs> episode so i apologize mark that that don't worry about it it's still i mean yeah, I mean, it still falls in that realm, even if it is just eight millimeter. Uh, it's still got a cover that is reminiscent of the shot on video stuff that went direct to video on on the shelves. I mean, the cover of this movie is awesome. Oh, un unfortunately, what what transpires is a bit different. Uh, <laughs> That's putting it lightly. <laughs> uh at first i thought it was shot on video too but then i watched it more i'm like you know what i think this was shot on film but that's okay you know i don't i don't mind the low you know low budget is fine whether or not it's shot on video or or on film i hadn't seen this one either actually it always was one of those where i'll watch it later <laughs> you know i always scroll by and go it's a really cool cover i'll watch it later and, and it's an awesome title. I mean, yeah. gourmet zombie chef from hell. Of course you want to watch that movie. The cover, if you haven't seen it, Astro Zombies, the cover is basically a cutting board and somebody is with some wine and somebody's attempting to, to cook something or at least get the ingredients ready. And there's a severed rubber arm that's been chopped up by a cleaver on the cover with an eyeball, with an eyeball, just arbitrary eyeball <laughs> hanging out on this cutting board. But uh, so, yeah, of course, if you had seen this big box VHS in a store, you would have picked this up instantly. Well, listeners, I never did. Which brings us to today. 
where we're going to sit and talk about yet again another bait and switch movie where you are promised a hell of a lot of gore and hijinks and what you get is a lot of padding this could be zombie or gourmet zombie chef from hell aka the paddening start these episodes out is by giving our listeners a brief synopsis as to what the plot of our film is and uh tonight this may be tough because honestly there's not much of a fucking plot to this this things actually imdb has a great one sentence summary that pretty much sums up this entire film okay mark i'll let you go for it a cannibal opens up a seafood restaurant and kills and cooks people to serve to his customers. Yep. That's pretty much it. <laughs> if you believe that that's actually what's going on in this movie, the vast majority of what's going on in this movie are people sitting around complaining about hair in their food, people singing entire songs on acoustic guitars while uh random people are way off in the background dancing in the dark there's an entire sequence where this guy mixes a whole drink yes yes a martini he literally takes all of the ingredients and in real time we watch this guy mix this martini there's i i mean there's scenes with finger powers there's lots of scenes of people trying to get other people to look at their book collection i mean there's so much stuff that has nothing to do with a zombie chef it's insane but anyways i'm getting ahead of myself here um as mark had said this is supposedly about a guy who in uh the grand old year of 1386 gets granted immortality by a bunch of priests in an ancient order. He's cursed by these priests. He he can live forever, but he's cursed. The only way he can live forever is to consume human flesh every single day. And if he does not do that, he will begin to rot. So, what does this guy do? Fast forward to 1986. Goza, the cursed chef, now is running a seafood restaurant in <laughs> Delhi and just randomly picks people up off the street and decides to cut them up and feed them to his patrons. <clears throat> we don't really ever see him eat anything. He mostly just stands around with one horrible Hawaiian shirt and mildly thrust his hips to music. <laughs> oh my God, the dance sequence. Oh dear God. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So as we had talked about before, that's it. Mark, I mean, when you watch this thing, let's, let's go to general thoughts on this because there's nothing really to break down in this movie. There's not much plot. It's one of these types of films like, Herschel Gordon Lewis used to make where you have a concept 
and you mostly just set up a, a camera and just let it roll. And people just kind of do things in front of a camera. <laughs> There's not much going on. So, Mark, what did you think of this? I'm glad you brought up Herschel Gordon Lewis because I'm watching this going, wow, this film really wants to be a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you could see bits of Blood Feast in here. You could see bits of even Gorgor Girls in here. You, you know, it, it so wanted to, but it was missing the mark in, in many places, maybe because of budget or, or they didn't have the resources. Because like you said, you're promised gore. But what you really get for most of the film when you do get body parts are it looks like someone robbed the Halloween store on bargain day, the day after Halloween and just grabbed all the body parts they could and then got them wet. And then, um, you know, threw them out on the floor, which props for, for using your budget. But when you get a movie with the title gore made zombie, I mean, you're really expecting to see like some serious visceral, like entrails and, and cutting up things and most of the time the body parts we run across are ones in the dark from a quote-unquote flashlight um and it is it's just a bunch of scenes though it's like a bunch of scenes stitched together for most of the film and then like the last 10 or 15 minutes of this movie it's like oh we got to get back to the story yeah there Uh, needs to be a plot all of a sudden I guess we ran out of songs for us to sit and listen to in their entirety. I, I enjoyed the songs. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> you know, I like the song and the, and the performers were great. I'm just like, this is random. Just like, you know, this guy who apparently has powers to get people to go fetch him. Other people, they don't really establish it, but you kind of make the assumption. Anyway, he sends this one girl out to get her girlfriends who show up and they just start randomly taking their clothes off. The best scene of the entire movie. Let's let's get this out of the way. It's the most exciting scene because there's boobs and they dance around in the. This is a thing to that we need to establish is that the reason that a lot of the reason this movie is so damn boring because it's all shot in master shots mm-hmm. where it's all wide shots where a camera's just sitting there's one light and there are people just doing things and it's the most uninteresting way to shoot a film in this entire sequence where these women are topless dancing with the gourmet who's in his horrible hawaiian shirt doing the worst kind of dad dance hip thrust thing it goes on for like 10 minutes and this is the most exciting part of the movie my god i didn't think there was a movie that would make the dance sequences and orgies of the dead look fantastic but you actually (laughs) have that in here these these and then you during the whole sequence it is the most interesting sequence because stuff's happening you've got him like pushing him away and pushing him away and pushing him away. I'm like, dude, have you looked in the mirror? You, you've got some fairly attractive naked women coming up to you and you're like pushing them away. I'm like, dude, really? Come on, man. Uh, and, until he drugs them. And then he then he's OK with them being near him. And then, of course, uh, well, of course, because he just waits for them to pass out. So they become on the lunch menu, which, you know, that. This is one of those things where they establish there's not a lot here. They establish, oh, he's got to eat, you know, flesh once a day to keep him from turning into, uh, you know, oatmeal man. But he like kills all of these ladies. So I'm like, dude, stock some in the freezer. You you can't store some of that for later. Uh, obviously not. Obviously not. None of the people, the people immediately within seconds are carved up into food. But that's done off screen. All of it's done off screen. We did get one shot with one of the ladies who we she's bare. She's laying on her belly. Uh, so and he takes the sawzaw and <laughs> <laughs> cuts cuts in quotes into her leg which is the same shot used twice yeah they use this shot over and over again and it's to say that it's 
unconvincing is giving it way too much credit. It's in most of the gore in this movie or any of the effects where it looks like somebody's actually cutting someone is nothing more than a knife or a plastic knife resting on somebody where somebody had put some blood on it and they mildly wiggle it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, it may sound like we're being a little harsh, but in this series, if you've been following us at all with some of the shot on video stuff, we have seen films done on a budget of this nature that have been able to put a little effort in a little more effort into the gore, you know, into the special effects, a little bit of an illusion. Although I will say when was it we get to a battle of force powers <laughs> between Lozar and Goza because um, Lozar apparently has the spirit of the priestess of their order who cursed Goza and he's there to to free Goza or I'm not quite sure what was going I think he was yeah I think he was supposed to be going there in order to kill off Goza and, and mind you folks this happens with 20 minutes left of the film in an information dump where two bearded dudes just spout off a bunch of nonsense out of nowhere for like 10 minutes. It's a total it's like the biggest exposition, like information dump in the middle of a movie where you're already fast asleep. Like you, your brain has checked out completely. And then all of a sudden in some park, Goza and Losar are they're fucking talking about a bunch of arcane wizardry crap. The meeting's so random. That's the thing is a lot of these things, there's no there's no even slight setup to most of these scenes. It's just suddenly we got Goza on a bike and he just stops, get off the bike and goes, I know you're here. And I'm like, who? Who's here? What are you doing on the bike? Why are you in this? Yeah, there's no establisher. We don't know. He, we think he's just talking to himself for Christ. Well, because he was talking in the fourth because he broke the th- the fourth wall uh, earlier in the film. So when he stops and starts talking again, I'm like, oh, you're you're talking to the audience again. OK, we're doing this. And all of a sudden, no, some dude pops, <laughs> pops out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, you were you were talking to him this time. And then they do a force battle of of raising their hand and in what in a shot that I had to say I I really did enjoy because I was trying to find something to cling to in this battle Goza gets the upper hand by fooling Lozar saying yes please make me mortal and then he's like freak no and so then there's this he, he's choking Lozar with his force powers. And then we we get close up on Lozar. And then also we cut and he's got this handful of stuff, which I'm thinking was meant to be dude's heart. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's but, what it was supposed to be. He takes it. And after he gives his final finishing line and Lozar dies, he just throws it onto the concrete. Yeah, it's just like it splats and it's like smiley face type. I'm telling you everything about this. None of it makes sense because the editing is atrocious. There are just things that just pop up on screen with like there. There was a scene earlier in the film where supposedly someone had gotten cut with a machete, but it just appears in their yeah. face. Yeah. Like it, like the editing just makes your brain hurt. And then the scene you're talking about, <sighs> these finger powers that are on display makes you long for the witchcraft films. <laughs> because this is, if you can imagine finger powers even cheaper, even cheaper than the worst witchcraft film, you got it. This is the only time in recorded history you're ever going to hear me say, I almost wish I was watching a witchcraft film <laughs> instead of gourmet, the zombie chef from hell. Because that scene was like, oh, I'm uh, like, you're not even fucking trying. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody gave you a bunch of extra film and said, you know what? You got to do something with this. Figure it out. <laughs> you got 25 cents. Try and figure out a fucking movie. <laughs> Good luck. It really makes me wonder if they started out with just a concept and just 
made this up as they went along. They had to have marked. There is literally no plot to this movie at all. You have the beginning where it's supposedly taking place in 1386. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yep. 1386 with the priests in some random field, a bunch of dudes in cloaks. And you don't see any of their faces because this thing looks like it was shot with a potato. And they, they curse this guy. Then we fast forward to this seafood restaurant where half of the runtime are people just complaining that the food sucks. Yeah. And intermixed yeah. with dance numbers and all this other nonsense. And then the last 20 minutes is where we get this information dump and wizards and finger finger powers and then the gourmet chef gets killed. And then and then librarian evil priestesses, whatever reason, <laughs> who come in and just unceremoniously off Goza as he's attempting to gnaw on a rubber leg. Yeah, although that was an interesting sequence as, as he's deteriorating, because, again, I'm trying to figure out how many people does he need to eat in the day to sustain himself? I think he just needs something, Mark. I don't it was never established. I mean, uh, he kept that. The only thing he kept around that entire seafood restaurant was a bag of rubber legs yeah. and rubber feet and rubber you know. hands, because every chance somebody walked in the back in the cooking area. They stumbled upon it, and these rubber legs <laughs> flew out all over the floor. Yes. But, you know, they don't establish that. But I, I did kind of like that at the end when he flips over and tries to crawl for the for the foot to eat it. And suddenly you hear the sound of a nail gun, and she's sitting there nail gutting his feet to the floor. <laughs> Jesus, I was just like, I, I could not figure out, okay, wait, is... Are immortal wizards that have to eat flesh, is their weak spot, like if this was a video game, their weak spot is the soles of their feet? How exactly is he dying from somebody shooting a nail gun into the sole of his feet? Well, he was dying because he couldn't eat because she she held him. Well, that's yes. But still, he didn't kick the bucket until she nailed him in the soles of his feet. Yeah, I not like they like she shot him through the heart or through the head. No, just in his shoes. Yeah. And then he kicks the bucket and that's the fucking end of the movie. And what ends up happening she ends up inheriting his shitty Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. <laughs> along with the bar. Well, it's supposed to be a deli, but I saw no deli whatsoever. I'm like, this is just it's a bar. This is just a bar. What kind of deli? Where's the deli part? You know, I'm like, where, where's the, 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 the cabinets of food of meat that you've prepared? Yeah, you know, there's not. This is a bar that has a bar area and one table. <laughs> because you, you never see anything more than people go to the same table, which I'm sure they filmed this on all of like two or three days. They oh, yeah. just filed people in to sit and complain about hair in their beer and hair in their food. And then they would complain and run out and somebody would off them unceremoniously off camera. I, I got nothing, Mark. I was walking into this episode. I was really scared because i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna talk about with this movie yeah i mean the characters you have in here as well it was like we we have he's got his minion his big guy who apparently we learn later on through exposition he doesn't actually eat meat he just drinks the blood of people um, so you've got this guy you got a waitress in here who doesn't really like her job but and knows some weird stuff's going on but she doesn't care she's just getting the job there's this woman who you think when you're introduced, she's also a waitress, but she's not. She's just sitting yep. there oogling all the guys And there's an attempt at humor in this scene that fails miserably. You mean all of the humor? Well, yeah, all every shred of humor in this movie fails. You know, she's sitting there going you know talking raunchy about guys going okay okay you know and then when the guys come up to her she tells them to fuck off until the one guy comes up that she's interested in and she asks if he's a he was looking for groupies and then he tells her to fuck off and i'm like you're this is supposed to be funny i i know this is but 
later on, yeah, it just it is it has so much random. And the thing is, I'm looking at it through this whole thing and going, they really want to make an Herschel Gordon Lewis type film. They're they're really trying, but not getting there because because there's no really substantial anything it felt like that was written here no and i gotta say mark i got a question to ask you do you feel in a lot of ways this is very reminiscent of howling new moon rising yes where it feels like somebody had a location they had a bunch of friends and they decided because maybe they owned this restaurant or owned this bar, they would just make a movie with all their frequent customers and friends and not really write a script. And then one day just decide to film a couple scenes that tried to tie something together because that's the way this feels. It feels like Howling New Moon Rising in a way where it's literally just a bunch of scenes of randomness tossed together with the barest minimum plot i mean it is mind numbing and i know the friend that i was watching this with she thought that <laughs> that this was actually kind of charming and kind of funny mm-hmm. and i was like dude this is killing me <laughs> i can't i've watched <laughs> some real garbage but this and i think it's not necessarily even the plot that really bored me it was the way this thing looks and the way that this thing is edited it reminded me of the worst of andy milligan mm-hmm. and i think any listeners of my show that have been listening for a long time know that I have a real allergy to Andy Milligan films in the way that the moment they come on, I fall asleep within 15 minutes. Wow. (laughs) I I cannot make it through his movies, not just because I mean, the concepts are always bonkers and they're always way out there, but they're shot in such a boringly uninteresting way. And the sound is always so awful, so awful. And that is very much apparent here in Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell, where the microphone is just set up next to the wherever the camera is. And the camera is so far away from its subjects that you are just watching two people you can barely audibly hear talk about nothing for minutes at a time. And then it just randomly cuts to another scene of the same shit. This movie is like watching glaciers. Fuck. (laughs) There is nothing going on in this thing. And like you said, fans of HGL are going to go into this and you'll see some of the trademark kind of traits of some of his movies. But imagine if it was even cheaper. And there were no actual gore scenes. All you had were the leftover rubber feet that somebody put some blood on. It's weak as shit, dude. Weak as fucking shit. And it doesn't deserve that awesome cover that it has. (laughs) I mean, holy crap. That cover is selling a movie that ain't fucking there. Ain't fucking there. And if I got to say. Of all the movies we've done on this ultra low budget direct to video series that we've been doing, I can't say shot on video because this was obviously not shot on video. This has got to be the worst. In your defense, Derek, even on IMDb, one of the tags for Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell is shot on video. It's actually one of the tags. So you're, it's okay. thank you for making me feel better about all of this you're welcome imdb has it listed as with shot on video as as one of the tags for looking it up so so you're good you're you're not the only one who who felt like it was shot on video and the thing is i i can kind of see what their intentions were for this yeah yeah it's what you said though It, it was 
And don't get me wrong, I have some friends of mine, Doc, namely, where we he had access to a VHS camera, and at times we would just sit there and shoot shit, you know, make shit up as we went along. But we didn't try to put it out to the public or anything because we knew what we had was just a bunch of random. And I bet for those involved in this film, it, you know, it because they remember the setup or the scene or whatever, you know, I'm sure for that group who made it, it probably means something for them. You know, they probably enjoy it because they know the backstory and they were involved in it. And that's awesome. But this is one where you get it out to the to the masses. And you see it and you're like, okay, I'm missing an awful lot, you know, so possibly within their group, a lot more of it made sense to them or or they understood, you know, where it was coming from. But if you're outside of that group, you're, you're like, um, this is this is like just a bunch of random scenes cut together. I mean, he, he breaks the fourth wall for for no reason. Out of fucking nowhere, he breaks. I'm like, I was sitting there going. Is he talking to us? Yeah. Is that really what's fucking happening you, right you now? You eat hooved animals. And it's like, why, why are you talking to us? You know, and then you have the librarian character who comes in out of nowhere, who the one armed guy who goes to uh, ate his arm, apparently, but he still likes hanging around. <laughs> um, immediately identifies her as a priestess and i'm like huh and that's where it kind of got okay we're kind of getting interesting now okay so she's kind of id'd as a priestess and then suddenly he thinks she's a priestess and invites her over for tea to look at his books that's the old school way of netflix and chill and anyway uh which which he constantly is attempting to get her to look at his book collection right you know wink wink look at my books i got i was afraid at that point that because we had just come off of the sequence where we watched him mix the whole martini which went on for five fucking minutes (laughs) that then we were going to go into him book by book showing her his book collection i was frightened I was genuinely frightened I was going to have to sit and look at spines of books for five to ten minutes. Well, I was trying to figure out where this book collection is, because when he's making the the martini, she sneaks off and he, she picks up, of course, the one book he tells her not to pick up. But I didn't see any other books in the area. There was just that book. I'm like, um, OK. And he didn't notice it was gone you you know it was it's just one of those things where we get this librarian who when she's brought into it and they're talking about priestess and i'm like okay here we go the story we're getting into it and then we cut to a random scene where she invites the waitress who doesn't know her from adam to the bench in some park saying you know i do need the extra money i see you're hiring like wait (laughs) wait, what and they have this okay We need to talk about this sequence with the little dude that takes the the help wanted sign, rips it off of the side of the building, stomps on it and proceeds to go in and be a complete piece of shit to everyone in this fucking restaurant. It is literally I know I had said the dance sequence was probably the most interesting, but this is a scene that I think think they thought was going to be really funny and but it okay it is it's really fucking funny because this guy this little guy that comes in is the biggest asshole on the face of the fucking planet he's telling tell this guy you fucking idiot i'm here for this job and i'm gonna take it and the guy goes to go get goza and he's just sitting there drinking all their booze, <laughs> pops himself up on the fucking bar, um, is calling this guy some of the most. Well, let's just say this was a different time. Yes. Yeah, so he was using some verbiage that wasn't necessarily OK no. in our society. And I'm going to play a clip of his interactions with the, the staff here. So you guys can get a flavor of the only sequence that I actually laughed at in this entire movie. So let's uh, take a second. Let's listen to this. Excuse me. I'm here about the job. Excuse me. I'm here about the job. 
Excuse me, you asshole. I am here about the fucking job. I'm sorry. I'll get the boss. He'll be here shortly. In a minute. May I help you? I saw your sign out front. I'm your man. You're my what? Your man. Your new cook. Your new short order cook. <laughs> what does it pay? If you want the best, you have come across with the jack. You'll also have to clean this stump up. I don't work with roaches. And another thing, the big faggot has got to go. Blows off. We have a little problem out here. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. Blozo, get your fat ass out here. Blozo, old friend. He's harmless. Step on this little cockroach. Come on, you bitch shit. Put me down or I'll tear your heart out. Hey, where are you taking me? What's going on? <laughs> so this fucking guy. <laughs> he, 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 I was just like, Boy, this is an interesting interview technique that he has. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm fucking good. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not cheap. And you're going to pay me what I'm worth because I'm... I'm your new, I'm your new short order cook. <laughs> he's a short guy. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, he's the shortest guy in the movie. And he's the short order cook. Yep. Bow, bow, bow. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's just an ass. <laughs> I did. I laughed too. I'm like, awesome. Okay, I, I, this character, and, and then all of a sudden, it's like, no, wait, what do they do? Ah, he's like around for like three minutes, and and, yep. they, and they kill him, and they kill him, and I'm like, but he was, he was interesting. He was an actual character that I would have liked to see around more, but. That's just like the horny girl, though. You know, I mean, they establish her as actually a character who's got some characteristics. You're like, OK, you know, she she follows the the one fiance guy because he's looking for his girl and he found her ring in his burger. <laughs> and that's not suspicious at all. No, nope. you know, because nope. she showed up at the bar earlier and became uh, the menu lunch special. And then he's eating a burger with her ring. He's like, hey, her ring. So he comes back with the horny girl. Uh, I call her that just because that's what you kept talking about. I mean, nobody ever names themselves no. in this entire no. fucking movie other than the wizards, other than the goofy ass wizards in fucking Hawaii. Right. Shirts. And, and they go back later to night is day. <laughs> Or day is night, whatever. Uh, they, they sneak in with this horrible flashlight. And I'm like, okay, we, here we go with something. You know, we're actually tied to these characters. We've actually spent a little time with the fiance guy. They set up some scenes where he was with his very, uh, you know, tall girlfriend. And, you know, they set up this, the girl who, who really likes all the guys. I'm like, okay, here we go. These, we've got some characters and we got some, and they last for another like four minutes and then they're gone and done. And I'm like, come on. I would, you know, I mean, it would have been, they have some characters here, but they don't stick around long enough. They don't let anything build or anything tie itself into anything. This is a collection of random scenes that they filmed at this bar and then put it together with fucking scotch tape and toothpicks and then just barfed out into the world. This was nothing more than an exploitation exercise to try and capitalize on a burgeoning direct-to-video mm -hmm. market. That's all this is there. This was a shot on eight super eight millimeter. This is as cheap as they come. This is literally a snoozer that I've seen people claim that they like this movie. I you got me. I there's there's nothing here, even at 70 minutes. I mean, that's an hour and 10 minutes. This thing felt so long. So fucking long. So uh, this is going to be a short episode yeah. tonight because I ain't got anything else to say about this. I do not recommend this movie. I thought it was a boring piece of shit. Looked like garbage. Sounded like garbage. Nothing happened in it. 
other than that asshole little dude that came in and drank that bar's beer in yeah. uh, booze completely. Nothing. I got nothing, Mark. What do you got to say to round this out? There was an Apple II computer from 1979 in it. So <laughs> there was that. You're digging for anything. At that point, when you're noticing the props, you're digging for something to be interested in in this movie. Look, it's one of those films where, in all honesty, as we mentioned earlier, I honestly think a group of friends got together. Someone had access to a camera with film and they shot it for themselves. But you have the booming shot on video, direct to video market starting to expand and distributors hungry for material. So I honestly think this was shot just for the group and patrons of this bar. And then they saw that there was this need or you know that they could they could actually possibly sell this for a little cash maybe and so they put it together and sold it you know i actually think this was probably not necessarily meant for public consumption i think it may have been meant for just their consumption but with the market out there they decided hey let's put it out there and some distributor said yeah we'll buy it because we need something to fill a tape to get it on the shelf just have to fill some shelf space 1986 you know so you know i i think i can see a little bit of charm i can see what they're trying to go for but it's it's rough it is it is a rough watch even for this type of film and namely because of as we mentioned before the way the box art is the way you know the way the title is this is something you're going into going all right you know it may be low budget but we're gonna see some shit here and you do but not the shit you want to see (laughs) no yeah you know and so yeah it's I couldn't I couldn't really recommend this either I mean just look at the box cover for about an hour (laughs) and you may enjoy it more um there are bits and pieces in here to enjoy but there's so so few and far between the rough spots that it it really does not make it worth a watch and that's tough to say with this stuff i mean i understand what they were trying to do maybe but it for this one for the outsider of those who made you made the film it's a rough watch It, it that is putting it so fucking lightly so unbelievably lightly so mark i know we have a list of shot on video films to do every single month and i think our next one on the docket is going to be red spirit lake we're going to be doing that next month which uh, I have heard from frequent guest and friend Andrew Shearer that this is a good one. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to it because this will also be a first time watch for me. I have never seen this one. It's got to be better than gourmet. Holy balls. <laughs> it's got to be better than gourmet. So that's what we're going to be watching next month. Now, folks. Be- Mr. Daniel Edenfield has been working his little tush off so goddamn hard watching all the shitty Walmart movies that he possibly could find. So here is another in our ongoing series of segments called Bottom Rack Films. Dan's back at it again. So take a listen. Hello, it's me, Daniel, with another episode of The Bottom Rack, where basically I just bring you top shelf entertainment from the bottom shelf at Walmart, (laughs) or wherever I happen to find (laughs) these movies. And I gotta tell you, man, lately I've been finding some gold on Amazon Prime. It's one of those that generally the only time I watch Amazon Prime is I'll find myself around the end of summertime which as is always me anyway, if I can, you know, get a little personal here for a second, but around the end of the summertime, I'm always like, you know, Hey, this, you know, let me just, you know, find something spooky to watch, you know, Halloween's coming up, but I'm probably, I'm usually like elbow deep 
into an album or something, so I don't really have, I don't want to make an investment. So I'll go to Amazon Prime because I remember they have a lot of documentaries. I watch my paranormal documentaries and stuff. Well, uh, lately, I've been finding some movies on here. and I mean, Amazon Prime is basically like one gigantic digital bottom shelf that you would find at Walmart. <laughs> and again, I mean, you take that sentence for what it is. I happen to love the bottom shelf at Walmart. I mean, that, the hell it is what it is. I like it. So anyway, I found a good one today. And this, this right here is why I do what I do. Because I'm banging my table rickety table thing for emphasis because i want to emphasize this is that i found a really cool one a cool movie it's called the judas ghost now this bad boy came out in 2013 and it's called the judas ghost yes just like judas iscariot or like the judas goat but this is called the judas ghost the cover is cool as hell right off the bat let me just go ahead and explain. I mean, it looks like a ripoff of The Exorcist, but it's still, but I mean, it's even cooler. I mean, I'll go ahead and say it's even cooler. It looks like a freaking novel, like a dime store crappy novel that would be right up my alley. I mean, you got Judas Ghost in the font, which is at the top of the screen. The O is a damn inverted pentagram with another inverted pentagram inside that pentagram. So that's just saying, damn, Daniel, you should watch this. There's a creepy house in the background. Any fan or friend of mine and my work gonna know i love having haunted houses and locations on the covers you got a wrought iron gate you got a it's obviously it looks like a priest just like the exorcist cover he's got the top hat and he's got the coat and he's holding a crucifix in one hand and a briefcase in the other and they got some spooky little ravens or things on the cover and it's just freaking cool okay here's the imdb synopsis for judas goat a team of professional ghost finders are trapped in an old village hall. The haunting they set out to investigate turns out to be far worse than they anticipated. Who will survive and what will be left of their souls? This is directed by Simon Pierce, and it was based on a novel by Simon R. Green, and that's who wrote the screenplay. There's nobody in there I recognize, um, and this is no insult to the actors. I don't really care. If you like the movie enough, you can look up the stuff on your own. What we have is an English film. Uh, and when I say English, yes, they speak of that, but I mean, it's Brits. Um, you have an English-styled film. It's kind of, and it, forgive me for stumbling over this because I'm not a filmmaker, so I don't really know how to explain it other than the fact that, you know how when you watch indie films and they have a really clean camera and then you'll hear them speaking with their English accent and you're like, oh, I know what kind of movie this is going to be. You know, it might have cheap gags. It might have some, you know, less than stellar special effects, practical effects, but generally like the CGI is going to be top notch. Have you ever noticed that? Like uh, my friends from across the pond, when they do their special effects, their CGI is second to none. Their practical effects might be a little, <laughs> might, you know, a little bit to be desired, but their CGI is freaking awesome. But anyway, so it, this is one of those kind of movies. <laughs> okay. And that's not a bad thing. A group of paranormal investigators walk into a hall. They call it a hall. It looks like a little music hall or something. And I'm, again, it's kind of cultural differences. Not sure how to explain it. But yeah, it looks like a recital hall or something, like a gymnasium sort of thing. Uh, small little arch ceiling. Not a huge room, but you can see some chairs stacked in the corner. There's a piano in another corner. And uh, wooden floors in the center with three large windows and uh, some hanging lights from the ceiling. So anyway, they come in there and it's these team of paranormal researchers who were there to investigate some kind of haunting. Now, this is not found footage. This is not POV. This is third person narrative. Now, um, now every now and then, it, you know, you might get some camera cuts or something. But for the most part, it's a third person narrative. And you... It's just, there's so much story in this. I'm trying to find the proper way to explain it. They're investigating. It's, they're in there. They're both investigating a hunt as well as supposedly winky fingers, quotey fingers here, trying to film like a training video because they're part of the Karnacki Institute. And these guys are among the best of their paranormal researchers. So they are there giving like a handy, you know, guide for researching and stuff. And so the main character 
Um, his name is Jerry, the main guy, the leader of the team is actually going through explaining what they do, you know, how they search for ghosts and the different types. And you have poltergeists and then it'll do like a transition, like a flash sideways, like a family guy, you know, like how they'll flash sideways to another scene and stuff. And he's poltergeist and is showing this crazy cool scene and then it'll flash back and then he'll say, you know, or you've got uh, an exorcism and then it goes to a whole com- another scene with it's a little bit of humor, nothing distasteful, nothing bad, just there's some humor to it. But anyway, as the story progresses, this one location is the entire setting for the film. The people are trapped in this hall as they're trying to find the source of the haunting and the source of the paranormal activity. And they're just pulling things. This movie has things you would never expect it, and I love it. They have built so much in the world of this film that it just makes it makes me want more. Once the shit starts happening and their doors are disappearing and the light outside just goes completely black. So they are there's just nothing but pure blackness outside of the windows and there's no doors. Well then the team, the leader Jerry, he's like, "All right, let's play it." I forget how he says, "He's like, all right, boys and girls, it's time to do what we were trained to do or whatever." And all of a sudden he pulls out chalk salt holy water they draw a circle and he says something about when you don't have the fancy modern stuff we have to go back old school or whatever and they draw a damn circle ward in the floor with markings and runes on it and they stand in the circle and then they've got the holy water and stuff and then as they're trying to figure out more about you know the story of what happened and why they're there he even casts a spell there is so much in this and it's just so hard to explain. I'm telling you, man, just watch this freaking movie. It was so cool. It was so refreshing just to see a take on this. This is the kind of stuff that I love is where it's just a small little location. But honestly, there is so much going beyond the actual story that it makes the story interesting. If you can follow what I'm saying, <laughs> they're there to investigate a room and that's fine. You figure Something's going to happen. You know, you understand the resolution here, but there's so much that they use outside of the main story that keeps it interesting. Like the fact that all of a sudden dude just busts out a spell and casts it and it works. It's like, so there's magic they have built into this world. Now we, we now have magic with just the subtleties like that. That is what makes this interesting. And then you've got other things like the Karnacki Institute. They keep referring to their institute and it's like, are they watching this? Did they know they knew we were coming here, right? And it's like, yeah, well then they're watching us, aren't they? So you have this whole they have set up an institution, a paranormal research institution, who knows about these things. I mean, it's like the exorcist on steroids. It's just so freaking cool. Anyway. I feel like I'm rambling about it and not giving this movie the justice that it deserves, other than the fact that I watched it, I loved it. You can find it on Amazon Prime. This movie is at a comfortable, cozy, was it, 75 minutes. I mean, dude, 75 minutes, you get a full story, and it was enjoyable. So for an hour and 15 minutes that came out 2013, it's horror. There is blood in this. Um, that's about it. It's just got some blood, some decent special effects. Again, it's a British film, so you're going to have some cool uh, CGI. And uh, actually, the practical effects in this were really cool. Like, there wasn't any really bad gags or anything. Just ultimately, this movie was cool. I really do. I want to look more into this director into this Mr. Simon Pierce and maybe this production company because I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's called Judas Ghost. So uh, anyway, yeah, that's been another ep- episode another episode of me stumbling over my word. I feel really bad about trying to review this film. It's so cool. Judas Ghost, this has been the bottom rack, you know, for uh, top shelf entertainment. And we find on the bottom rack, bottom shelf, hell up. I forgot what I was going to say. Hell, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I will holler at y'all later and uh, take it easy.
I don't know how Dan does it. I don't know how he keeps doing this. He keeps <laughs> keeps watching these movies. I thought I had some problems. But then there's Dan Edenfield. He loves those shitty movies just as much as I do and think. Got to thank him for it. So anyways, thanks for listening to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I know this was a short one, but when you go into watching a movie and it's a pile of fucking nothing, what are we going to talk about? I don't know, Mark. I think we exhausted that movie. I, There's I, nothing more to talk about. I think we talked about it more than the movie and gave it more thought than those who made the movie. Uh <laughs> In all ridiculous. Although those, dan- ridiculous. Those, those dancers, here's a large surprise. I know you're going to be surprised there. I read up some trivia. No, I already know what you're going to say because I read the IMDb as well. You did. But I'll let you say it. The, yes. They couldn't find an actress who would do topless. So they had to go to the local strip club to get a couple strippers to do the topless scene. That's where all the budget went, folks. That's that's where all their money went. Yep. <laughs> That's it. So anyways, enough with gourmet. I've had enough. Guys, don't ever go fucking watch gourmet. Just look at that back cover and bask in its glory. But anyways, this is the portion of the show where my guest shamelessly shows the fuck out of you. Mr. Mark, the movie man, go for it. Uh, you can hop on over to specialmarkproductions.com where you've got a link to my YouTube channel. Uh, you can also find me on the Twitters at Special Mark Pro. I'm also on the Instagram, Special Mark Prod. Uh, we got a Facebook group as well. Links uh, to all of that is on the SpecialMarkProductions.com and as well as my podcast where the fantastic Derek Carey was kind enough to uh, come on our show recently and talk some Black Panther. So uh, drift on over there if you want to hear some more sweet, sweet pipes of Mr. Derek Carey as uh, we talk some comic book films as well. So Check it out. And Derek, as always, this is a pleasure. And I am still enjoying this journey you're taking me on because this is all stuff that I walked past as a kid on the video shelf. And now I'm getting to come back and actually watch this stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm pretty excited about uh, what we got coming up next. So, oh, boy, we got a lot more shot on video nonsense. Next one will be shot on video. I guarantee that one. <laughs> guarantee it so anyways folks thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time you can find astro radio z on itunes stitcher tune in Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, Join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only one dollar a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies.